Welcome to Around the 412. We are part of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Tyler, and with me as always is my co-host Smitty. What's going on, man? Happy Monday. There's no Steeler game from Sunday that we have to talk about, which is a pretty rare thing. So I, I don't know what I did on my Sunday. There, there, it was watching football outside of the Steelers is not as fun. Uh, I don't know what you did on Sunday, but I know what you did on Saturday. And that's where we're starting. Nothing <laughs> to do with sports. The Steelers got six rings. The Pens and Pirates have five rings. And now my boy has one ring. Your boy Tyler Weeks, one half around the 412, is engaged as of Saturday. I'm so happy for you, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it was it was a lot. Honestly, so I surprised my girlfriend. Well, the fiance now I should say that. That's, I that's su- I, to say. Yeah, my my <laughs> my fiance, Kennedy, I, I surprised her by moving out here. She had no idea she wanted me to. So it wasn't like a total shock. But um, I think it was a lot easier to move across the country and surprise her that way than it was to try to surprise her with this because it, it was a lot more difficult. She was a lot more sus about everything. Um, but yeah, it was a great day. But if you if you follow me on, on Instagram or friends on Facebook or anything like that, I haven't posted on Twitter yet, but I, I'll do that. <laughs> but um, the caption I put with the photos said that after this, I ditched her to go to the BYU game, which is 100% true. I completely ditched her. She went and hung out with uh, her sister and actually my sister. And I went to the BYU game with my friends. So that was 100% true. So sports are still part of my heart, just like she is. But yeah, thank you. Uh, and thanks to everybody that said kind words. It was it was, a, it was a good day. It was fun. I think that perfectly defines the relationship, though, the fact that you did that and then just went off to the BYU game. Oh, I know. I know. Ah, gotta love her. But yeah, congratulations to you. Congratulations to Kennedy as well. She said that she would make a a special uh, appointment to make sure that she listened to this episode. So make sure to give her a shout out specifically as well. Um, But okay, we're going to start out talking about football, not necessarily the Steelers. We will get into that in the second segment. But wanted to start just talking about the division rivals because that's how we spent our Sundays monitoring those games, both in the one o'clock slate. Uh, Cincinnati and Cleveland going against each other. So pretty easy to monitor that one just head to head. That one was a bit of a surprise to me, not necessarily. I actually picked Cleveland to win that game um, on Platt's picks last week, but I didn't know it would be in this fashion. I mean, start to finish, really, a dominating performance from Cleveland. Yeah, they really thumped the Bengals, which I didn't expect to happen. I thought it was going to be more competitive um, just because I thought the Bengals had the offense and the the Browns had the defensive struggles that they have had over over the course of this season that it, it looked like it should have been more a competitive game. Bengals offense didn't really ever get going that well. And then the Browns, I mean, they basically stuck to what they do best. They Baker did what he what he does is just I think he facilita- like, to play like 15 passes, yeah. facilitates the ball a little bit. Um, and he had two touchdowns, 14 passes. He threw the ball 21 times, 14 to 21, 218 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, that's basically like game manager Baker. That's basically what he is. And then they handed it a ball off to Nick Chubb. He had a couple touchdowns himself. Um, forced a but, lot of turnovers. Yeah, so the game is definitely not as close as I thought it was, or, or it is. I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a little bit more competitive, but it's kind of odd because it's like in this in these games, it's like we don't really want either team to win, but it's at the same time we do. 
just be based off of like who has advantages and stuff. So I feel like the Browns winning was probably the better option yeah. of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but e- either way, it's it still sucks seeing a divisional opponent win, even if it is against a divisional opponent. But yeah. And then the other game, uh, the Ravens, man, Minnesota, they got that turnover in overtime and did absolutely nothing with it. We talked a little bit before the show about that. It is absolutely ridiculous. Like I, I was, I thought that, and they had the ball in like the forty yard line. I'm like, okay, Minnesota, you have to just kick the field goal and win the game. You couldn't get it done. It was like third and nine. They threw an incomplete pass. Um, yeah, that was frustrating. So Baltimore gets another win. They go to six and two, I believe, on the season. They're in first place in in division. But it sucks because if we would have, if Baltimore would have lost that game, and if we would have taken care of business tonight against mm-hmm. the Bears, then they would have had still one more win than us because they we had the bye week and they did not. However, they would have been tied in losses with us, and it just it would have been put us in a better position looking forward. Yeah, uh, so you you mentioned with the Cleveland Cincinnati game, we got the result there that we I guess wanted. Like it's, it's hard to say yeah. we wanted Cleveland to win, but yeah, Cincinnati losing was definitely beneficial because we've already beaten Cleveland and we lost to Cincinnati, so we have the advantage on Cleveland there. Um, the Baltimore game, that, that was frustrating because the Vikings were up two possessions in that game for a lot of the time. So for you mentioned what happened in overtime. For it to even get to overtime, Minnesota really had to fold down the stretch. And it just seems like that happens so often against the Ravens. Like, what is it with them? That, like, down the stretch, teams just seem to not be able to do anything against them. They can't move the football at all. Like you said, a couple first downs in overtime, and they're looking at kicking a game-winning field goal. So... Uh, but it didn't happen. The, the Ravens do get the victory in overtime, of course, off the leg of Justin Tucker. That seems to always be the way that it goes down as well. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see now with the Steelers, Monday Night Football, Chicago coming in, it, it, how they respond to this. Um, because now it just looks like the division is just completely wide open. I mean, I could see one through four, the order being literally anything at this point. Yeah, um, I, I still think right now, like the Ravens are clear in a way like they're probably in the driver's seat for the division and rightfully so they've done well um but yeah based off of where we were a month ago it it looks more interesting than we thought it was going to be because a month ago i didn't think cincinnati was a good team i thought the the browns were still better than they have shown and then the steelers i just thought were a complete black hole and Mm -hmm. steelers have turned that around the browns have shown that they're still the browns they're not as good as everybody still thinks they are and we didn't even mention OBJ is off the team. Uh, yeah. It will they, be official they, like today. He'll, he'll yeah. clear wa- if he clears waivers. Uh, but either way, he'll either be on a new team at 4 p.m. Tuesday or be able to sign with anybody. Yep. Um, and then the the Bengals, they're better than we thought they were, just not yesterday's effort. Um, but yeah, yeah the, the division is going to be interesting down, down to the stretch. We're about halfway through the season now. Uh, it's it's weird because now we, we don't really have a clear cut halfway through the season with the 17 games, but yeah, um, right. yeah we're, we're getting pretty close. Um, so hopefully the Steelers can take care of business against the bears and put themselves in a better position. Cause at that point they would have what the same amount of wins as the Browns and the Bengals and just one less loss because the, none of them have had a bye week yet. Uh, yeah. Cincinnati has their bye next week. Yeah. Um, Cleveland has theirs like week 13. I don't know when Baltimore's is, but Baltimore has Miami on Thursday night football. Cleveland goes to new England. So that's going to be a tough match. Okay. Yeah. Better recently. So 
Uh, and then Cincinnati is on a bye. So, yeah, I mean, the Steelers are still right in the thick of things. And when we come back, we're actually going to talk about this game tonight, Monday Night Football against the Chicago Bears. Smitty, Tyler, around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Be right back. around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm Smitty. With me, as always, is Tyler. We're going to talk about this Monday Night Football game now, Steelers, Bears. Um, What do you think is the X factor from each side here? How can the Steelers improve to 5-3? and How's it going to get done? I think that offensively, I'm going to say that the Steelers are going to rely heavily on the run game. Um, I think that the offensive line to me is going to be the X factor getting the push. And that's going to be a little bit easier without Khalil Mack in the lineup. Um, and so I was just say the running game and I, the X, X factor I'd say is the offensive line, but it's also, also Najee Harris. I just feel like it's definitely the offensive line because for me, Najee Harris is going to bring it every single week. We know the type of player that he is. He's the X factor every single week. Um, but defensively, I'm going to say that I think that the, biggest thing they can do to stop the Bears offense is contain Justin Fields. I, I think that TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith are going to be the X factors in this game because I feel like Justin Fields, he in, I think week six, he, he got a little bit better, hit a little bit more of a stride. And I think that the Bears are going to continue to try to use more of his athleticism um, as they go forward, because I feel like that's the best way for Justin Fields to succeed. And I feel like a lot of that is going to be rolling out, maybe some designed quarterback runs. And I feel like a lot of that is going to have to do with containing the quarterback. And if you do that, you're going to set yourself up for success because offensively, besides Justin Fields, and I know you and I, we, we like Justin Fields coming out of college. He hasn't performed as well as a lot of us thought we would, but he went to the Bears. The Bears stink. Um, yeah. But – Outside of Justin Fields, I mean, there's not a huge offensive threat coming from Bears, and I just feel like containing him is really going to shut that offense down. Yeah, I mean, so you look at both sides of the football here. Uh, the Bears are 24th defensively against the run. So, you know, to your point, that's probably, and regardless of what teams are defensively against the run, we we found out that this is the Steelers' formula. Like, we know this is what they want to do. They want to establish the run, make life easier on Ben Roethlisberger, and just take their shots uh, as the run game opens those shots up. Um, from the Bears' standpoint offensively, they are 32nd in total offense, 32nd passing offense. However... They're sixth in rushing, so they can run the football a little bit. Um, now, David Montgomery has practiced this week. Uh, it sounds like he could potentially be coming back for this game. Uh, now, the difference to me through David Montgomery's injury, Khalil Herbert, a rookie out of Virginia Tech, has been a very nice addition to that offense. I don't think a lot of people really knew who that guy was. He was actually one of like the last running backs that I said, you know, you don't go running back round one. He would be a guy I would be okay with the Steelers adding. Obviously, that's not the plan that they had, but he, he's showing right now that he can play. Um, and I know uh, 
big shout out to Nick Faribault as well. He was also on the Khalil Herbert train. Um, so I think that that's kind of the, what the Bears want to do offensively. You mentioned, though, what they've started to try to get to using Justin Fields a little bit more as a runner getting outside of the pocket and stuff. And definitely, you know, Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt, they're going to have to keep their lane, seal him in that pocket and make him throw the football. But I'm looking at guys like Joe Schobert and Devin Bush, too. Like, I'm thinking, like, we might see they're going to have to put on a QB spy at times. Um, another guy I think could be very important to the defense in this game is Arthur Millette, who I, I feel like has had a pretty solid under the radar season, kind of being like the the new Mike Hilton, if you will, or at least trying to replace what he was here in Pittsburgh. But think about like how important Mike Hilton was in the game plans against a guy like Lamar Jackson. Now, I'm not saying Justin Fields is Lamar Jackson, but with what we're talking about with the athleticism outside of the pocket and maybe using him more as a runner, I think a guy like Arthur Millette, and if they want to blitz him and show some different packages and stuff, he's going to be the guy that does that. So th- those to me, you know, those are the guys to really like zone in on defensively, offensively. I mean, what else is there to say? We know who the guys that they want to get the ball to are offensively. Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson. I, th- I think Pat Fryermuth's role is going to continue to expand. No Eric Ebron for this game. He's already been rolled out. Um, what a shame. So, yeah, but but how about this? You know, let's 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 touch on this real quick. We saw Zach Gentry kind of. I, I don't want to say break out. He had three catches for thirty nine yards, but we saw him take more of a role on. We saw him do offense. more than block. Because that's all yeah. we've ever seen him do. Really. Yeah, he was targeted five times. He he caught three of those passes, thirty nine yards. Uh, picked up a huge first down. Um, it's going to be interesting to see like what is Eric Ebron's role when he does come back to this offense. I know that they don't have like a traditional slot. Um, you know, Chase Claypool's lining up there. We might see Eric Ebron line up in the slot sometimes. But I'm thinking, man, are we going to see this guy for more than like ten to fifteen snaps a game? And it's just going to be situational. <laughs> It's probably going to be because Eric Ebron really adds nothing in the run game. He's not going to be the blocking tight end. It's definitely going to be Gentry and Fryermuth. And then as a receiver, you ho- you hope he's good, but we've seen he's very like spotty whenever Eric Ebron is catching the ball or not. And with the emergence of Pat Fryermuth, and who knows, maybe Zach Gentry starts to showcase himself a little bit more. He might not be as useful as we thought he was going to be entering the season. Um but I'm I'm thinking maybe I don't know if they announced it yet, but it wasn't Eddie Jackson doubtful for tonight as well. So maybe they could take the top off more with the offense. I mentioned the run game I thought was going to be the X factor, but maybe with missing Eddie Jackson in the secondary, that also helps Ben make his life a little bit easier tonight. Because um, I just think it's going to be a dominating effort from the Steelers offense, which is actually shocking to say based off of where we were a month ago. But the I just think that they're they're really starting to find their identity as an offense, and I, I think that uh, the Bears' defense is not that great. I mean, o- overall they should be, they should be good, but they're missing Khalil Mack. They they're probably going to be missing Eddie Jackson. Uh, I know that Alec Ogletree is questionable for Monday night's game, so it, it, it's it, they've got some. Darnell Mooney is also dealing with a groin injury, and he's questionable. And I know that like the passing attacks thirty second, but he's he's a good he's a good player. Yeah, so I, I just think that the Steelers' offense is going to eat the Bears' defense up tomorrow. I think they're going to chop them up. I, I and I know last week I predicted the I don't even know what my score was, and you said that they that you think the Steelers could hit thirty. Um, I, but I'm starting to think uh, you're, you're right. I think this could be their first 30 point game, um, which will be nice mm-hmm. to see compared to where we were at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is going to be like, maybe I, there's, there's two things that I want to talk about here. One, do you foresee 
any chance that like Anthony McFarland has a bigger role going forward in this offense? Because it's going to lead me into another question. Do I foresee it? Probably not, because I feel like with Anthony McFarland, you need to use him in a specific way. And it was, I think that was easier last year when we had James Conard, who was injured half the time. Benny Snell, who was a one-trick pony. He was just a power running back who also kind of sucked. Still does. And then uh, Anthony McFarlane, he was definitely that scat back speed guy. Um, and But the, the, the difference is, I feel like with this year with Najee, you got a guy that can do it all, so why does he ever need to come off the field? Um, I feel like Anthony McFarlane is best suited for the plays that we have been seeing with uh, Juju early in the season and Clay, Chase Claypool with like those jet sweep type of plays. And he's not really an up the middle, like between the tackles runner. That's just not his style. And so until they show me that they're going to be calling those different plays with him. No, I don't really don't think that they're going to expand his role. And I think that is in part to having Najee Harris, who can literally stay on the field the entire time. So I I think that he can, but my question is, do we want him to? Because I'm just looking at it like, okay, he came into the league as a 23-year-old rookie, relatively older for a rookie. Now he also plays running back, a position that, you know, pretty short shelf life in the NFL, a lot of tread on those tires, uh, and, and that we're only adding to that tread. And if he's literally the only running back getting touches, you know, what's he going to look like in two to three years from now? taking NFL contact with all the touches that he's taking. If Anthony McFarland's not going to be the guy. Now I'm not saying like you have to draft a running back in round two or something when we already have Najee Harris, like, like green baited with AJ Dillon, but they have that nice one, two punch now with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. You look at the Cowboys with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Um, who are some other ones? There, there was a few that I had on my mind coming into this. Um, I mean, well, Denver right now has Melvin Ingram, Javante Williams, Cleveland, Melvin Ingram's a free, yeah, free agent, Cleveland. How did it, that's, that's definitely the other one that was on my mind, uh, <laughs> with, with all the running backs that they have, like do the Steelers, if it's not Anthony McFarland need to find that not, not one B, but another running back to take some of the work off of Najee Harris to extend his career. Absolutely. They need to. Then, And I feel like that just goes back to how I was describing Anthony McFarlane is that he's just a one trick pony. He's that he's that speed back, but he's not going to be good running up the tackles. And I feel like we've seen that. And Benny Snell, uh, he, is he even going to be on the team next year? Good question. Um, Balage, I mean, he's basically like a, a worse version of Najee Harris. But, yeah, yeah. He, he looked like a worse version of Najee Harris in the preseason. He looks like an even worse version <laughs> of him during the regular season. So, yeah, I think it would be smart for the Steelers. And and not that you have to use a high draft pick, like like you said, with the, how the Packers did with A.J. Dillon in the second round. But like if you want to spend like a third or fourth round draft pick on a guy that you think could be worth something and could add to this offense and give – Najee the type of a relief that we need to that way we can have like that one two punch like you're saying and not even not even if it needs to be a one two punch just like as the Najee is the one and just spell him a little bit and give him a breather and not not have somebody going out there that will just like get no gain whatsoever if you have a more reliable back. Well, here's another situation. Christian McCaffrey, who's been who's missed a, a good portion of the last couple of seasons. Carolina went out and got Chuba Hubbard in the fourth round last year. And now, I mean, Chris McCaffrey was still a touch monster until he got hurt. I think that Carolina has realized that that can't happen. Like not necessarily running back by committee, 
but you're going to see Chuba Hubbard get some work in there because they want to mm-hmm. preserve Christian McCaffrey. Um, or even let's we, we're talking about Chicago, right? I mean, they spent a fourth round pick on Khalil Herbert, even though that David Montgomery's there. Montgomery was a guy that played every single snap for the Bears in like five of the last six games last year or something like that. It was like it was something ridiculous. When Najee played 100% of the snaps for the Steelers, he joined literally just David Montgomery in that category um so it's they definitely need to do something there if anthony mcfarland's not to be the guy if the guy's not on the roster right now they're gonna have to add somebody um and again what you can we can have a debate on what the draft capital should be that they need to do that with but you know if you if you think that they need to do something in the comments sooner rather than later let us know i mean listen i'm 100 biased when i'm saying this but Tyler Algier looks really good out of BYU. <laughs> Just saying. He I mean he might he might be playing his way into a higher draft slot than I'd be comfortable picking a running back in this next next year's draft. Like he might be playing into like a second round pick. Um but if you if you there's a running back that's like third or third or fourth round and we feel comfortable with the other picks that we've been making and with the, the other <laughs> positions in our team then yeah, go for it cuz like we said, running back it's it's an invaluable position. I feel like in terms of like paying them, but like when you have them, like you need to make sure that they're healthy. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all about, like I said, you know, preserving Najee Harris so that he can be the best version of Najee Harris when he's on the field. He's still going to dominate touches, but you got to give him some type of help back there. It can't just be him. You got to find something else in the backfield. Right. Um, okay, so is there anything else to talk about really with the Steelers or this game in particular? I'm not so sure that we have anything else. Um, we I know that we kind of did predictions. I don't know if your mind has changed from last week to this week. What's your prediction, though, for Steelers-Bears tonight? I, my prediction is definitely going to change. Um, I don't even remember what the final score. I think I said like <laughs> I think I said like 26 to 11 or something like that. Something weird. Um, okay. But I'll, I'll say 31 to 13. Okay. Yeah, I said I think the Steelers are going to hit it in the 30s. I'll say actually right at 30, and I'll go 30 to 16. All right, so we're we're pretty close. Yeah, not far off. Um, so the, the, the Steelers things, Steelers are the Steelers are favored in this game by what six and a half? Do we think they cover? Yes. Well, we both have them covering. So yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. But I know that the there's been a lot of people. Saying, I think that the popular pick is the Bears with the points. Um, Steelers at home, they haven't fared well against the Bears um, on Monday Night Football. Like, as a heavy favorite, the Steelers never seem to cover. Um, I don't know. It's just for me, like, those trends, man, like, for a team that you play every four years, just doesn't, doesn't mean much. True. And Very different teams. And the, the state that the Bears are in, uh, I just don't see it. I don't see them being yeah. close. Also, uh, unrelated to Sean Jackson signed with the Raiders. So there was a little bit of a movement to get him to Pittsburgh. <laughs> anybody that's that's released or anybody's name that comes out there, they're coming to Pittsburgh. Uh, but anyways, we want to know what you guys think on the Najee Harris topic. So let us know in the comments if you think that one Anthony McFarland can be a not one B, but a back, a backup guy to kind of spell Najee Harris, give him some breathers at times throughout the game. And if not, do you think that they need to add somebody or do you think that Najee Harris is capable of carrying the entire workload for an extended period of time? Uh, so let us know in the comments. If you haven't already, leave us a like on the video, subscribe to the channel. We'll be right back 
to wrap up this show talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins, which have not brought us a ton of joy recently. But we're going to get into that when we come back. This is Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Smitty. That is Tyler. Let's wrap up talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't really want to, but we kind of have to. Uh, They played two games this week. We're looking at a 3-2 overtime win. Yay, that's great. Played the Flyers. Always great to beat them. Uh, And then they lose in a shootout on Saturday tonight to the Wild after leading 4-2 with like two and a half minutes left. They gave up a goal with like 1.1 second left to even go to overtime. Um, And then they lose in a shootout. Lots to unpack here. Let's just start with, like, obviously the latest update with the Penn's COVID stuff. Sidney <laughs> Crosby out after playing just one game back from his surgery and Brian Dumlin. Sidney Crosby is symptomatic. Brian Dumlin is not. And let's just add to that. Head coach Mike Sullivan out with COVID as well. He is also symptomatic. So Todd Reardon, the head coach right now of the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, luckily this is a guy that has head coaching experience, has been successful in this league as a head coach. Uh, he's in charge of the D, maybe the best positional coach in the NHL. So I feel comfortable with that. But, man, the hits just keep coming for this team. Yeah, that is now four players on the COVID list, I guess if you want to call it, for the Penguins. They've also got Chad Ruedel and Marcus Pedersen. Um, but I guess the good news is those guys should be expected back within these next couple games. I believe Marcus Pedersen is expected back for in time for Tuesday's game and then Ruedel for Thursday's game. And coincidentally enough, uh, Brian Dumlin, is ex- the, 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 the date that he's expected back is Saturday's game and Sid is for Sunday's game. So it's like right after the other these guys will come back. But that's just to say that no one else test positive for COVID either. And with the Penguins, I really can't expect that. I feel like I have to expect at least one person to test positive every week. But um, yeah, how long do you think the Penguins can like survive with the hit, the hits that keep coming to them? I know they've done okay so far. They've, they've kind of been treading water for the last couple weeks, but I just feel like it, it's going to be tough if this keeps happening to this team. And, it, and it's funny because it's like, it's not just like one or two guys like over a span of like a month. Like it's been a lot of guys and not just COVID like injuries as well. I'm, I'm including all of it into one thing. Um, but I just feel like it's a lot, a lot of guys all at once. And it's a lot of key guys to the team like Brian Dumlin, Sidney Crosby, Marcus Pedersen. Like those are all important guys to this team. And we've just, that's just some of the names that we've been missing so far this season. Uh, one of the names that we talked about last week that came back this week was Chris Letang. And we question whether we think that he, he should be uh, like limited per se in a, in a Chris Letang way, limited, um, not playing close to 30 minutes a night. He just said, screw you guys. Um, I'm playing around 29 minutes in both games and I'm going to look completely fine because that's just who I am. I'm Chris Letang. Yeah. No, I had no question that he'd be able to to do that at some point coming back. It's literally just like, man, really right away the first game back, you're playing 29 <laughs> yeah. minutes and scoring the game winner in overtime. I mean, he looked like his his normal self. Um, I did not catch Saturday's game. I was actually at a wedding. Don't know if anybody saw the video, but yeah, it was a pretty fun time. I think everybody uh, saw the video. <laughs> <laughs> 
But so I didn't see Saturday's game at all, but I'll, I'll take your word for it that he looked uh, like Chris Letang in that game as well. Um, but yeah, the cardio king, um, he came back. Brian Russ came back as well on Saturday night. Um, oh. And, you know, he, he looked OK, I thought, as well, going back and watching the highlights of the game, at least. Um, but yeah, is to answer your questions, like to how long this team can stay afloat. I think it's really just about getting, you know, more production from guys that we at least saw, you know, if you want to take a positive away from Saturday's game, get going. Cause Perry Kapanen scores a hat trick in that game. His first three goals of the season. Uh, Jake Denzel scores a goal and gets off the schneid. I mean, listen, I got to say what I said about Kapanen. I think once the dam breaks for this guy, they're just going to keep coming. I will not say I did not see him scoring a hat trick whenever he scored a goal. So the dam broke in a big way. Also first career hat trick for Casper Kapanen. Yeah. But that's just, see, I don't want to say I, I don't know really enough to say that for sure he's like a streaky player, but that's the way that things happen though for streaky players is when you get one, you get ten, and then you might go six games, seven games without scoring a single one. Yeah. Um, but he had also not to say that he was playing great, but I mean he was also running into some very bad luck, and same with Jake Gensel who who got one on Saturday night as well. Um, so if those guys can you know start producing on the score sheet more we jeff carter keeps going you see brian rusk back in the mix now and he keeps going i i think that they're going to need more um from the blue line though as well i i thought it was very encouraging the way that poj played uh against the flyers i thought he was very good in that game um and to have a guy like that you know who's considered one of the, the team's really only prospects um, be able to step in in a pinch and play at the level that he did in that game. That's very encouraging. I, I think that they're you know about as deep on the blue line as they have been for some time. Um, so it's going to be tough. They they need these guys back and they need that to stay healthy. I, I know that I that that's kind of a, a blank statement. It means absolutely nothing. But you know at some point the hits got to stop coming. I guess if you want a silver lining, at least they're happening not right now and not playoff time. That's true. Um, not to say that can't happen later down the road as well, yeah, but absolutely. But it, at least it, it's not like we're in April or March and this is all happening all at once. I'd rather get it out of the way now. And I say get it out of the way as if it's actually get, going to get out of the way and not happen later down the road. We know we can't expect that. We're still couple- we're still getting used to talking about this stuff though. Like it's this is gonna be this is gonna impact this for maybe ever. Yeah, um, I, I don't know how long it's going to last, but yeah, yeah, we're this is our first full season of hockey with <laughs> right. with like all the COVID issues. So, um, but a couple other guys I'd like to see keep going. Like Dayton Heinen had a hot start to the season. I'd like to see him scoring more. I know Zucker had a couple assists on Saturday night. I'd like to see him pick up his scoring a little bit more. Um, I think Teddy Bluger needs to start scoring a little bit. That whole line. I know Brock McGinn's got gotten a couple goals, but mm-hmm. I, I just feel like they need more production overall. That's what we were talking about the first like week or two of the season is that the production was coming from everybody. And I feel like that's slowed down a little bit the past couple of weeks. I feel like that they need to pick that back up and get all four lines rolling and not just rely on one or two lines. See, the thing with Dan Heinen for me, and I'm not disagreeing with you, but it's just it's crazy to me that we're like only eight, nine games into the season and he's just been literally everywhere i mean he's been up and down the lineup playing on every single line um so they're asking him to do everything um like he was playing on top line against the flyers brian rust comes back and he shoots down to the fourth line with the center right. by Brian. <laughs> right. so i i mean i guess that they i guess that's a testament to what they think of him as you know as far as his versatility and where they can slot him in the lineup um but yeah you're gonna need contributions from guys and, and this has been the case the entire season up to this point for the pens you need contributions from guys that you would hope can be more of secondary players and they need to be primary players right now. 
Yeah. I, I, and I, I feel like, I, I think the team is doing okay. Like they're doing their best. They're, they're four, three and three. So they don't have a winning record technically, but yeah, I, I, well, I, I just stinks. feel like with, with what they've been missing so far this season, I feel like it could be a lot worse. I just I can't excuse them giving away a point on Saturday the way that they did uh, to Minnesota. That's just a two goal lead with less than four minutes left. I mean, regardless of who's on the ice, we actually were talking about that um, on Saturday, like a couple of buddies, and we're like, "Is there a team that is worse in the NHL when it comes to like having the goalie, uh, the opposing goalie pulled, and then them getting a goal?" It happened twice, like you said, yeah. and. I feel like, especially this season, that's happened multiple times with the Penguins. Yeah. And what really sucks is even the game that they won this week against the Flyers, that's a division rival that they gave a point to with just a couple minutes left because of Mike Matheson fanning on that pass. Um, and Scott Lawton ties it with just a few minutes remaining for to send it to overtime. So, you know, I know that the Pens won that game, but they gave up a point to a division rival uh, by giving up a goal late. So, yeah, I mean, they're staying afloat. They're certainly still in the mix. Their season isn't at, isn't dead by any means, um, you know, and I think that they continue to do so. Um, but you look at this, this stretch of games coming up for them. It's, it's actually a busy week, finally. I feel like we've only been able to get talk about like two or three games. But this week, uh, they got the Blackhawks Tuesday. They got the Panthers on Thursday. What a start they're off to. The Senators on Saturday and then the Caps on Sunday. So the next time that you hear from us, the Penguins have played four more games. We're going to get a better idea. Like you said, hopefully get some bodies back. But, um, yeah, the Panthers, <laughs> man, what a start they're off to. Panthers are off to a hot start. Um, and th- are, are they – would you say they're the best team in the league right now, at least performance-wise? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I still am going to – regardless of how they go into the playoffs, I'm going to question Sergei Bobrovsky's ability to play in the playoffs. I actually thought that, like, Spencer Knight was going to be their number one goalie this year. Um, mm-hmm. And they would just kind of have to eat that Bobrovsky contract. Um, but, man, he, he's off to a great start. And the team as a whole is Anthony Duclair been ridiculous for them. I think he already has like 10 goals, eight somewhere between eight to 10 goals. Uh, just insane. Also, Mark Callender's Penguins are in last place in the division. But when they win the Stanley Cup, remember <laughs> that, that on November, November 8th, they were in last place. But they're going to win the Stanley Cup. I love it. Um, you mentioned uh, something. This is just like a, we, we can't factually prove this. You were just off the eye test. You and your buddies were talking about, is there anybody that's worse in the last couple minutes of a hockey game? I, I'm sitting there thinking like a similar thing. I'm not I'm not going to look this up to prove or disprove this. Tristan Jari is absolutely dreadful in shootouts. And I don't know that somebody can necessarily be like, oh, really good or oh, really bad in shootouts. But if somebody can be really bad in shootouts, it's Tristan Jari. Well, another name that's familiar to Penguins fans, and listen, I don't have the stats to back this up. This is just going based off of my memory <laughs> and my for, former eye You guys can absolutely roast us in the YouTube comments listen, right now. For I that. always thought that Marc-Andre Fleury was pretty good in a shootout. And I th- and maybe that's just because I thought he was flashy. Maybe that's the reason I thought that he was better. But I always thought that his his stats in a shootout were pretty good. Tristan Jari, you you said to me, I didn't know the numbers. He's two of seven this year in the shootout, um, and th- that's just terrible. I don't know if there's a worse goalie in the NHL that is worse in the shootout. Be- being anyway, the shootout sucks. Just just to get that out, it still sucks. However, you expect your goalie to help make you saves. They know they're trained. They should be trained to like be in that position. And I, I don't know if someone can. 
uh, tell me why he sucks. Like if if Danny can, who who's working with DK Pittsburgh Sports now, if he can like give me a video breakdown of why Tristan Jari sucks in the shootout. Um, I would greatly appreciate that. I want that him to title it that too. Because it doesn't make any sense to me because oh, I feel like overall this year, Tristan Jari has performed better than we expected him to going into the season. And overall, he's been a pretty solid starting goalie. He's kept him in a lot of games. I Except think they have a lot different For the record. shootout. The shootout. If, we, if we're going to a shootout, we know we're going to lose if Jari's in yeah, I think that he's kept them in a lot of games this year. You know, you mentioned they are in last place anyway. I think the record looks a lot different, though, if not for Tristan Jari. Um, but yeah, in the shootouts, I don't know what it is, man. It just seems like he gets beat with speed going from one side to the other, and he's like way too far out of his crease. There's a lot of problems. I think they're a lot Maybe of Maybe he over anticipates. I have no idea. Yeah. But anyway, you mentioned Danny. Let's uh, yeah, let's we need to have a conversation with Danny about this and we'll report back. But you guys in the YouTube comments can let us know what you think about that. Uh, We'll come back to this conversation next week. when We talk about the pens um, and and maybe read some comments and uh, hopefully have an answer from Danny on this, too, because we're going to actually reach out to him about it. Yeah, we'll have a lot more games to talk about, too. Uh, actually a full slate of games this week instead of the Mm -hmm. I think these past two weeks. There's only been two games each week to talk about. Yeah. A lot of home. Well, that's the, that's the real disappointing thing too for like for me where the pens sit right now is this is a ridiculous home stretch they just had, mm-hmm. and to you know to come away with the amount of points that they did it's a little disappointing, you know taking in the consideration the roster that they've had to start the season I get it but still I would have uh, I would especially I based off was it last year they were like the best on home ice or second best on home mm-hmm. ice yeah so you gotta take care of your home ice. Uh, guys, if you've made it this far watching or listening to the show, we can't thank you enough. If you are on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the channel. Give us a like on it. Uh, hit that notification bell so you know when any videos for the DK Pittsburgh Sports channel are posted. Of course, comment and answer the questions that we ask you guys. Uh, if you want to participate, we will come back to those conversations next week and maybe answer. I'm sorry, not answer. Give the answers that you guys had. Maybe read some of the comments. Uh, other than that, it's been Smitty. It's been Tyler. This is Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye.